At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Special Monday edition of Hollinger and Duncan. John and I talked it over and we figured this is a good time on a day off to record this week's pod, given that we're looking ahead to the conference finals right now and also i just i really wanted to talk to you after that last round of basketball it was crazy shocking i think the the one thing that you really hit on in your twitter feed was that this might be the most shocking single basketball game that we that we've seen almost in memory in terms of not necessarily a series where it's slowly turn differently from where we thought but just a single game where you were just like what the hell just happened here I mean the only one I can even think of that's probably close as far as like a single game and especially a seventh game like that would be do you remember it was it was a meaningless series is the problem but there was an Indiana Boston series where Indiana just beat the absolute tar out of Boston in Boston in game seven um 2006 uh yeah, it's uh, it, the the year. It was somewhere in the Jermaine O'Neal era, I think. Um, Al, Al Jefferson may have been prominently involved. I'm I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it was definitely uh, pre pre Garnett though. Right, right, and then yeah, Boston. Then they tanked the next year, got the five pick, traded it for Reed Allen, and then it traded for for KG. Um, yeah, but that one also. I mean, that wasn't. This is a 64 win team. Hadn't yeah. lost at home yet in the playoffs, and had blown the Mavericks out in all three of the home games before this and I mean yeah there had been some cracks CP wasn't playing that well etc but I mean for the to just be a total non I mean, this is supposed to be this great clutch team they're so together they've got this amazing execution they're unflappable Monty Williams amazing leadership Chris Paul and to just be down by 30 at halftime like we did the live show on playback and i just with every maverick shot and every sun's miss i just grew more and more sun for these guys to score 27 points in the first half for booker and paul to not score a basket between them until they're down by 40 points i mean that was the biggest thing to me like okay maybe luca and the Mavs would just go crazy and they drop in 15 threes on them in the first half or something this wasn't that they just no. could not score yeah yeah that it it what it, yeah it wasn't because you could tell sometimes where it's just where it's just like a hailstorm where it's just like okay well these guys are just making every single shot they put up and you can't really do anything about it and i mean there was a little of that with luca but as you said most i mean they scored 27 points in the first half what the hell is that yeah you're like oh they scored 17 in the first quarter well that, that, that's pretty rough it, <laughs> that it was the, better in the second quarter that was the good quarter <laughs> 
yeah and for luca to score as many points as they did as well but yeah and certainly the mavs deserve a, a ton of credit for it and i always in these situations like with denver in 2020 in the bubble which is probably in, the most comparable shocking game just in terms in, of but it wasn't it wasn't a home court game and you'd seen denver you'd seen sort of Den, denver did actually win a similar way in games four and five you just couldn't take seriously or, the or fact five, that five and six five and mean? six i'm sorry yeah it was just hard to take seriously the idea that Denver would actually win the series until like it was the fourth quarter of game seven. And you're like, wow, I guess this is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I remember doing that one live as well. And you're just, it, it, it did sort of have that same feel of just, wow, this thing is just continuing to snowball and they're not stopping it. It's just like picking up more guys and more snow and you can see yeah. all these guys limbs sticking out of his and it's rolling down the hill and it's just <laughs> getting bigger and bigger and getting more momentum yeah <laughs> yeah i mean especially yeah for for a 64 win team that, that yeah, I, I think that's cause really because because yeah. i i can go back like i can think of other games but always it was always like a five versus a four or like it just wasn't a team yeah. of this magnitude i mean even you go back you'd say the sonics losing to the nuggets in in 95 well i mean at least that they it went to overtime right like yeah <laughs> and the nuggets had just one two in a row in the series yeah. so you're just i mean it was just a one game thing and like yeah that's uh, you know, people said the Warriors in 2016, well, they Draymond was out. Like, I didn't favor them in game five when Draymond was out, you know. So it was just, the, I don't know what the line was on this game. But, I mean, just for it to be so non-competitive and for Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker to play this poorly. The one, the best analog I've seen, actually, this is a good one uh, on Twitter because I posted this and I got a, a lot of submissions. And, frankly, none of them really added up was whether you want to say game three or game four in Miami in the 2014 finals where that series starts off 1-1 Miami had beaten them the previous year they still had LeBron they looked totally competitive they they had won game two game one they might have won if LeBron hadn't cramped up in that weird air conditioning game yep in san antonio and then the spurs just beat the shit out of them in game i think they had like a 19 of 21 quarter in game three and you felt okay all right that was just an aberration the spurs were crazy like miami's gonna at least come out Mm -hmm. and give a good effort they might lose but they're at least like gonna show up here this is their last gas they still got lebron is the best player and they're down 55 to 33 in the second quarter and you're like oh okay well this is this is just gonna be an ass kicking Mm -hmm. that's the only other time where i can be like because I mean, you thought Miami was like they had LeBron, like they had the big three. Like you, you they hadn't had a great year, but you felt like they were always going to turn it on. And uh, yeah, so that's but this is still even beyond that, I would say to me. Uh, so before I, I guess we can we'll move on to talking about Mavs Warriors in a second. But what's the postmortem here for Phoenix, especially with some of that stuff that came out after the game? The Aiton thing is interesting because they decided not to extend him and his market is going to be interesting because there's not that many teams with cap space and it's not they're not necessarily looking at centers first. 
So would the Spurs drop a max offer sheet on him? Uh, would would Detroit think about it? Uh, you know, maybe. Maybe to probably. I don't know. It, it depends on the other options, though. The problem with an offer sheet, too, is you take yourself out of other stuff because the, the market is kind of over by the time that offer sheet is matched. You know, given that free agent deals are done like June 15th and you have to wait till July 9th or 6th or whatever to, uh, to find out if the other team matched. Yeah, so... Boot said on TV today, the marketplace will have a max contract for DeAndre Ayton, which that surprised me to hear that. If I were another team, I wouldn't just offer a max contract in restricted free agency because the Suns are, will match it if they have to in the end, I think. Like, they can't let him get away for nothing. And they also were just reluctant to offer more years anyway, it seemed like, in the initial negotiations. Also, Woj is the previous tenor of his reporting on this issue has been very pro Aiton. And so I think that that may somewhat be coloring his stance on things. And as you say, right, why tie up your cap space, especially if Phoenix does all these physical shenanigans, etc., for maybe 10 days or so? Free agency's over in like two days at this point. So, and I don't see what the trade is in a sign trade, particularly for one of these teams that in theory would have cap space and would want Aiton, that's going to make the Suns better next year. It's going to make them a championship contender. No, your, your so, best... Your best move is the Musayu Jiri Memorial delayed sign and trade, which is you go yeah. ahead and sign him and then you do something with him down the road when when somebody else is calling you and has a need. Well, let's, let's start with this just from the what should they do perspective. They don't have to go all the way to a five-year max necessarily, though. I mean, they can they can do some other stuff. They can do... Um, you know, they can do partial guarantees or they can start at a max and do, you know, what about a max with just 5% raises? You know, the Roy Hibbert special where you're just saying, okay, I'll give you the contract that every other team would give you and we'll call that good. You know, a four-year max of 5% raises. You're not going to get more than that in the other market, on the open market. <laughs> well, it's so interesting because a lot of people are like, well, see, when you mess around with the guy's money, like this is what you get. And my response would be, well, there's plenty of guys who have played well in a contract year and not let it get you know, into there's this whole feeling like, oh he's done everything that they've asked him to do and so therefore he should be i mean there's plenty of players who do everything that they're asked to do they're not necessarily worth the max contract so and i i think to me like how are you feeling about about him on a max or near max deal is that just in a vacuum is that a good deal i mean there's the question of for the suns but just in a vacuum are you like okay that's fair that's the right deal that's feels he helps so you win at that price Here's where it feels maybe a little reachy. Um, I would say he helps you win at that price if you already have if you already have three other good players under contract, which the, which the Suns do. But it, it like in terms of dollar for dollar value, the the part where I pull back a little bit is this trend line we've seen in the postseason, where even the really good centers are having a hard time staying on the floor or not being in situations where they become. The, the weak link. And so it's just, it's almost like, it's almost uh, an existential question about any center, right? Like, I mean, I get, I get Joel Embiid changes things because he's just so freaking huge that you have to deal yeah. with him. But uh, uh, although even he, even he has, that's true. Miami was, Miami was fronting him and they were giving him issues on defense too. That's true. And, well, and, and last year uh, against Trey Young, I mean, they've got Ben Simmons guarding Trey Young and Embiid behind him, and it's just 
maybe you you better be able to outscore him on the other end to me Jokic comes the closest there but then we saw his issues in the Golden State series as well but the fact is there are only so many good players to go around in the NBA not every team is going to be competing for a championship and to just get someone who's going to come in and hopefully score efficiently he has a pretty good track record of improvement despite this regression in the last four games here five games here and he can in theory get better and where else are you spending your money if you're some of these other teams like if he's overpaid by five million a year okay fine but he also you know does he it's just the question of his mentality and like some of the discussion of the altercation that he had with monty williams and him saying do you want to play and he's like no i don't and then he takes them out and they start jawing each other that's it doesn't make you feel amazing about how he'll behave when he actually gets his money and when he doesn't have this great veteran team around him and monty williams there like is he just devolve into this points and rebounds guy again uh, i i don't know i don't know but i also it's really hard for for me to say and i've kind of been wrong on him throughout his career i didn't think he would even be as good as he is right now and his touch is really an intriguing so but i think for some teams it's a worthy gamble just because you know if you're detroit like really you're gonna you're not competing for a championship anytime soon so why not just spend your money on this anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. Use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. Uh, I tend to agree on the Detroit thing, especially when your alternative is to like pay Jalen Brunson, who is so much older. Um, Yeah. Well, and quickly, sorry, just to clarify, I'm not advocating that Detroit make him an offer sheet because I think the Suns will just max it, match it. So there's no point in doing it, but to just have him on that contract is, would be fine. I think it would it be fine and also have to give up enough assets to convince the Suns not to match and to do a sign and trade with you. Then I think probably not like him, that contract, Plus, having to give stuff up to get him on that contract. Yeah, having, having to give up picks to get to just to have that contract. Yeah, that's a that's a no go for me as well. I I do think 
I still feel like he can ramp up more offensively if somebody if it, if he was on a team that was more committed to it. And I mean, maybe that's just the trend line of the game. But I, I guess I see so much uh, kind of Lamarcus Aldridge in him, where he can just turn around and hit face up jump shots all day long. And I sometimes I wonder why that isn't more of a staple for them. Yeah, I just don't know because the ball goes in the basket when he shoots it, but he doesn't really have much in the way of moves or awareness. And he's a will passer but not really a great one he'll kind of he'll throw it immediately to the weak side as soon as he gets the ball just to prove that he's throwing a pass but he's not it's not like incredibly incisive stuff like he hasn't ever proven that he needs to be double teamed he can't really face up put the ball on the floor and drive do stuff off the dribble which i think you have to be able to do as a center because otherwise they'll just front you in the post and zone you on the backside and you can't get him the ball in like a real playoff setting where everyone's prepared for you yeah and then defensively he really was not able to have the impact I thought, other than a couple of games in the New Orleans series that he had last year because the matchups were a little different. I agree. And it's weird with him on defense because he, he has some pretty good physical tools, but he, he kind of doesn't have the whole picture and he can get... Well, I think when he's when he, when he he gets when he gets out of his uh, preferred habitat, <laughs> I think that's when uh, some funky things can happen. And, and Dallas did a good job of getting him in some situations he's not used to. Yeah, I was always... Everyone gave him credit like, oh, he killed the five out by the Clippers last year. Like, well... Did he really, or did Lou just go away from it too? I thought he went away from it too early and played Zubats way too much in that series. And Aiton did kind of struggle against the five out, but they didn't go to it enough. But back to the Suns' perspective, I said, Danny and I recorded just talking about the free agent centers, and I thought where it would end up. And I did have the caveat that the way things end up in this series could change things, and maybe it will, was, you know, if the max is, let's see here... The five-year max for him would be 177 over five years. That maybe it ends up being 150 over five years, and that that's what the deal ends up being, and maybe a slight non-guarantee on the end, something along those lines. So I, almost, I almost still, like yeah. almost like Chris Paul's deal, just with another year, yeah, at 30 yeah. or so, right? Yeah, I mean, I I imagine it'll be in the like you know 140 to 150 million guaranteed range over five years, but. I just don't, I guess that's the next question I have for you just overall. How much does this ass kicking change how you feel about this team going forward? If you're being, do you just dismiss it? Is it indicative of just larger issues and you're just never going to get there and you have to make some big changes? Do you run it back again? What's just your overall feeling going into the offseason if you're Phoenix management here? I think you have to feel a little bit like what you have right now is maybe not quite good enough that you can definitely, you definitely have a team that can rack up regular season wins and get to the second round every year, or at least every year that as long as Chris Paul stays good. Um, But that when you get to that highest levels, that some of the weaknesses come to the fore that in terms of shot creation, they have guys who are pretty good, but they don't have like they don't have that dude, right? Like Devin Booker is not quite in the he's not in Tatum's category and he's certainly not in Lucas category, right? And that's no disrespect to him because he's an awesome player, right? Probably top fifteen in the league, certainly. And but 
when you get to this level, like the bar is just so damn high. And so, okay, so if you don't have that, then what do you have to offset that? In, this, in the Suns case, they they have a really strong rotation, like one through seven, one through eight. And yet you still wonder if it's strong enough, if it could be better, if they need another guy in that six seven to six nine size class, if they need another guard they can trust to run the offense when Chris Paul is out of the game. Uh, the, you know, the trade for Shamit and the extension, you would say, did not totally work out, right? <laughs> so so can we have this discussion of just which one was worse, Shamit or Grayson Allen? Wow. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Almost got basically identical contracts, except Shamit has a couple of non-guaranteed years tacked on the end, whereas Allen is just a straight two-year. And, and actually, Allen ended up being a little bit less. He's got, uh, like, 1.5 million in incentives some likely some unlikely and he's like 9.4 for the next two years yes yes um i think i think these will both end up being two-year deals <laughs> is, is that fair to say um man it, it's so funny because last year i mean memphis essentially ended up trading grayson allen so they'd stop playing him ahead of d'anthony melton and desmond bain what a great and, trade that was by yeah. the way yeah. But can you imagine like, Grayson Allen probably would have started again for the mm-hmm. Grizz this year if they had kept him. Yeah. He was so bad defensively in the playoffs last year. And all these bucks, because I, I snarkily tweeted both with respect to Shamit and Allen when they signed him. Oh, yeah. Great idea on a championship contender to give a fourth guard $10 million a year. And of course, halfway through the season all the Bucks fans are like see you idiot like he's starting for us blah blah and I'm like oh I'm sorry I wasn't aware that the referendum on this signing was going to come in January and that the fact that he's lighting up the magic tonight means it was a good signing let's see what happens when they get into a real series oh he lit up the bulls okay guys calm down here let's see what happens when they have to play against a real team and uh yeah it didn't go too well yeah same same thing with Shamit who was I, I think the Shamit was worse because they also traded a first-round pick to get him, whereas the Bucks got Allen Absolutely. for nothing. Yeah, yeah, that 100%. Well, they got – no, they gave up two seconds for Grayson Allen. Oh, really? Was it that good? <laughs> well, I think they also got – they they, they, they they got their money was, back uh, on the DiVincenzo trade, basically. They basically chose Grayson Allen over Dante DiVincenzo, if you want to look at it that way. Oh, well, and they also got the Grizz to waive Sam Merrill and take on his money. Uh, yeah, he had Sam, guaranteed money for this year. Yeah, Sam, it was $1.5 million on on Sam Merrill. That's pretty crazy, by the way, that the Grizz made this run with over $10 million in dead money on their books this year. Just a, a quick aside. Mark Gasol, Chris Dunn, Carson Edwards, Sam Merrill, Daniel Aturu, Rajon Rondo, and Jonte Porter. Yeah. So, but but back to the Suns. Yeah, CP, supposedly he was maybe dealing with a quad injury. It's just, it's impossible for me to imagine that he can play the way that he played, say, in some of those games in the New Orleans series, in the first two games of this Dallas series again next year in the playoffs like i think he could be effective it's just 37 turning 38 in the playoffs like he's got to move into that john stockton this stockton was exactly the thing i was going to bring up where it's just yeah. like you need your how your howard isley that you're just going to play 18 to 20 minutes no matter what because chris paul can't go to that well every playoff game when it's an every other day format he showed in new orleans he can in that in those in the New Orleans series, he can still get to that. The problem is just it's just too costly to ask him to do that night after night. He just can't sustain that for two months. So that's where I mean they're paying 
Cameron Payne and Landry Shamit right now, and I don't think they're really happy what they got from either of them. Uh, I also think they need another guy they trust in that like six seven to six nine range. Where, I mean, how about that Tory Craig cameo, by the way? Yeah, when he basically got his top of his head pancaked in by Kleba on a block shot, I began to think that might not have been the best move. <laughs> and. You know, you look at that team, though, and their starting four is 6-6, and Bridges is 6-6, and, and they just don't have anyone in that size profile where where teams are really trying to accumulate players in that 6-7 to 6-10 range where they can play big and still switch everything and still space the floor and be fairly athletic. And I, th- I, th- I think that's where they fall short a little bit. It's ironic because they didn't have enough quality size against Milwaukee last year. And I think against Dallas, they just they didn't have enough quality of like that, that those six eight those guys who could guard Luca and still hold their own uh but but also you know do work on the on the boards and be factors around the basket like like just guys who are just who are just big but can still play the perimeter cam johnson was their only guy like that and he was uh target number one for luca i think in some of those lineups it was weird to see phoenix yeah. finally say uncle and play play all smalls they, they had that lineup out there at the end of the first half i think it was with cam johnson at five. Oh yeah and they got outscored like 13 to zero in the last oh they got they before. got completely smoked i just don't think they're set up to play like that because they don't they don't have that guy i mean not not having dario sarge i think hurt maybe they you could maybe try him there i think still maybe he probably gets cooked still but he gives him a little more flexibility in that size yeah. range well he, he's gonna be on another team next year anyway i'm pretty sure it has to be the, the way their concerns yeah the way their cap and tax is set up they got yeah you look at this i mean they got some work to do especially if you are still a skeptic about sarver paying the tax because i think where 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 they end up is they'll pay ayton and then they'll just do other stuff to get back under the tax even if it even if it hurts them yeah and i mean to me i would say you've got a number of approaches i don't think the blow it up approach moving Aiton, making some kind of a major change i don't it's just it's so hard to get better like that and i think what you have to do is just put your stars hopefully in a better position to succeed and frankly just hope they play better and devin booker i thought he was 100 percent healthy early in the series maybe he wasn't but he obviously really disappointed in all the games in dallas other than the one where he had the 35 points at those game four and obviously in this last game and cp really disappointed and ayton played terribly on the offensive end like it was really an offensive loss for these guys in the end i thought most of the time they defended as well as you can hope against really an impossible situation unless you've got you know the 2015 warriors defense or maybe the heats or celtics but even them i think would struggle against luke and we may find that out so it was just an offensive loss and certainly Dallas deserves a ton of credit for the way they defended and just how tight they are defensively and the level of effort they made and the adjustments. But like, I think you just got to hope that these guys play better if you're the Suns. And hey, you know what? If you go out and you win 55 games, you lose in the second round again, like, okay. I just don't know what the other... 
I, option I agree. is at Bo- this point. Booker, Bridges, Aiton, Johnson, and even Shamit are like in their mid-20s, right? So I, I think you can still bet on that rising tide a little bit and hoping that that can offset whatever age declines you get from Chris Paul next year. And and more. there are adjustments that need to be made, but like in the big picture when you talk about your core, I think run it back is the only play for this hand. I mean, they won 64 games for crying out loud. Yeah, and they were lucky to do that with some of the clutch stuff, but they're of course. You know, probably a 56 win or something differential, 57 win. To me, their biggest need is someone besides Cameron Payne who can handle the ball and attack be your third guy and who also isn't just 160 pounds soaking wet and and that that would actually be I mean I, I know they'd love to be able to play five out as well and it's just that's probably just not realistic to find another player like that and so to me I would just try to shore that up keep Payne around as a fourth guard if you can get off of Shamit do that you've got first round picks available to trade so maybe you you move them in a deal like that to get someone who can be a solid uh additional creator for you and then you don't have to run cp into the ground yeah i that i completely agree i have nothing at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, well, speaking, speaking of hopeless situations for teams whose city names begin in PH. <laughs> that narrows it down. <laughs> Phnom Penh? Yeah. <laughs> Are we talking about the Cambodian League? <laughs> so the Sixers, I never felt like they were going to be a true championship contender. Even when they made the trade, I gave them about a 30% chance of getting out of the second round. Mm-hmm. But my reasoning was that they were just, they didn't have the supporting pieces. You saw how dependent they were on Danny Green when he went down. They actually could, frankly, probably use him at that $10 million next year. But, of course, now he's going to miss the whole year with the torn LCL and ACL. I thought Tobias Harris was the big problem just kind of in the way that they were built. Maxi, if anything, just continued to improve and look better after the trade. So you feel pretty good about that. So like, all right, well, they'll just move heaven and earth to get off of Tobias Harris, try to get some better defenders in on the wing, and they can roll with Maxi, Harden, and Embiid, and just some 3 and D guys on the wing, and that'll be a contender. That was my thinking when the trade was made. But now they have James Harden. And you hope that they didn't do too much wink and a nod agreement about what his contract would look like this summer. Because... I mean, it's, he is he is not that guy anymore, and I don't think that guy is ever coming back. I mean, you might you might bet a little bit on the on the come, like okay, well, he has more of a chance of becoming James Harden next year than Danny Green does, right? But but like you, forty seven million, and then if you're, you're if you're gonna go to a max extension off of that, I mean, that is just insane, right? That is franchise malpractice. So what is the right price for him on an extension? Does it even make it Makes sense to agree to one right now. Would you just would you just rather he opted into forty seven and and we'll deal with it in a year? I mean, Philadelphia could actually have cap room. You know, if you look at twenty three, I mean, it's it's a little crazy to think this way when you're a cont- 
contender and have Embiid and Harris alone making 83 million, but like they could have enough room to actually do some stuff if that Harden number comes off the book and it might be more helpful for them than paying Harden. Yeah, it just seems like free agency these days is even a very even, unlikely way to improve your team. Even worse of a crapshoot than it used to be. Yeah, I, I can't yeah. argue that point. Um, but I, I think Harden also retains a lot more trade value on an expiring. If if something else should come up, then, then certainly once you extend him, that thing is yours, right? It's like you break it, you buy it almost. Um, well, but, so let me ask you this, John. What's a fair, let's say James Harden opts out of his deal. What is a fair contract for him? I think the Chris Paul deal is in the neighborhood of what's fair. Yeah, so that's 120 million, 75 million guaranteed the last year and a half essentially non-guaranteed. I think having those having those out years non-guaranteed or partial guaranteed are pretty important just as just in terms of incentivizing him to, you know, value the back end of his career and do some of the things he needs to do to to stay in shape because he's I mean from all indications that hasn't been a focus of his let's say and as he gets to into his 30s I think I think it's caused him to uh de- decline at a more accelerated rate than maybe you would have expected you, you know it was crazy think of the summer of 2019 and compare the stature uh, these guys are basically the exact same age compare the stature of James Harden and Jimmy Butler in the summer of 2019 James Harden Considered by most the top five player in the world, maybe not me, but uh, most people saw him that way, MVP candidate. Jimmy Butler didn't even make the all-star team in the East for the Sixers. And now look at that. One of them is fanatical about taking care of his body, and the other one, perhaps less so. And the, the six, yeah, and the Sixers obviously could have could have re-signed Jimmy Butler. I, I mean, how about these revenge tours, by the way, in this second round? Luca against the Suns, who should have picked him number one overall in 2018. Yeah, and then Butler, Tobias Harris over me. Yeah. It was, it was just uh you left out chris paul going 14 for 14 against new orleans yeah although i don't think he has anything against new orleans yeah that's true it wasn't as it wasn't there, there was there wasn't like the same yeah he wanted to leave them vengeance factor yeah it was yeah okay that's fair so uh, uh, but 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 anyway back to to uh harden i would say maybe i would say 120 million guaranteed because just when you think about it like yeah, that's going to overpay him. But similar players to him, that's about what you expect, right? Maybe it'd be worth the thirty million the first couple of years, and then you kind of take the the bullet on the back end, bite the bullet on the back end, because that's just what you have to do in pretty much any free agent contract. You just end up overpaying in on the back end of the contract. Now, what so you- I I think seventy five million guaranteed would be with would be a little bit too harsh. But uh, that 120 million is far less than 250 million. And it just, that's like the fascinating thing about it is like, surely there must have been some sort of a discussion of what his next contract would be, or even something as nebulous as like, yeah, we'll take care of you to, according to your expectations or something along those lines. And just how do you back out of that now if you're Daryl? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, let me ask you that from a front office perspective, not that you ever would have discussed any type of a contract ahead of time. Oh no! When of course trading. not. I've I've only heard stories about other people doing it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you let's say you were one of those rogues, mm-hmm. how would you feel about? Would you feel comfortable being like, oh well, you know, when we went when we said that we meant you know just thirty million dollars a year, not fifty, James. I don't know where you got this fifty million idea. Or would you just be like, fuck, like our name is going to be mud if we don't follow through here. We know it's a terrible idea. Circumstances have changed, but so what? We just have to do it. If if you gave your the agent 
your word on a deal with a number, that is a that is a hard thing to back out of because all these deals are done on trust and you work with these people over and over again. So if I mean if you were ever gonna if you're ever gonna back out of a deal like that, it's probably more worthwhile to do it over at least over two hundred fifty million dollars and not like on a minimum guy, right? Yes. Uh, but, yes. <laughs> so like this, this would be the one where it where it might still be worth it because you're just like okay, I can screw the franchise for the next half decade, or I can piss off this agent and have them never send any players to us ever again. Uh, you so you might still choose that option, or you just hope that whatever you talked about has a enough weasel language in it that you could say oh did we say guaranteed you know or or that there's some some kind of out based on his you know per, how how this all <laughs> went after he got to philadelphia yeah. I, I mean re- regardless of whether you can weasel out of this like it's mm-hmm. not a contract you're still gonna piss the guy off if you gave him the impression it was gonna happen oh absolutely yeah yeah so so it really doesn't matter whether you you know technically said it or didn't say it it's just if they have that impression and you don't follow through on the impression that they had like you're they're gonna be fucking pissed off 100 percent, yeah with without a doubt and and you you could argue with with reason too i mean because sure, he was looking he was looking at signing an extension in brooklyn right yeah i mean he could i'm sure that the nets would have just had something on the table for him before the trade if he wanted to just actually play so but I, I guess there's how this many, component too. How many too. contract bombs have the Nets dodged in the last several years? By the way, like the, all these all these max offer sheets they did that yeah, ended up turning out terrible. Um, Tyler Johnson, Otto Porter, Alan Crabb, who they they just couldn't resist the siren song and ended up getting him anyway. <laughs> um, and then Harden and Kyrie last summer, right? Oh man, I can't even get started on Kyrie's contract situation what about this aspect though james harden as far as i know still doesn't have an agent and that was a big part of the reporting around the trade well that that, that didn't have an agent that 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 gives the sixers a lot more leverage actually in in right i kind of thought that like that's yeah i mean i'm sure james could like let it be known that they welched on it but that's it's a little different when it's not a an agent who actually has other clients yeah i, I mean, can't I, so uh, unless you, you got to make it unless you yeah. got a joe smith deal with a signed document hidden in the desk then i don't i, I, I don't know what you do about that if you're hard because even if you say oh we had a deal like you 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 don't have enough established credibility for for people to take it at face value whereas yeah. if like, i mean I, you can have it tell tell players in private conversations with them that you got screwed yeah. over i don't think you would ever go public with it yeah but it, yeah so my thought though is that they should encourage him to opt out and see or at least see what they can get for him and, and also by the way harden did say he was going to opt in and maybe daryl said nah just don't bother doing that because we want to keep our options open but they could potentially get down below the apron if he takes a lot less yeah and then, then and then they'd have their mid-level to bring back deandre oh my god that that wasn't the move i was thinking perhaps they could acquire someone in a sign and trade at that point <laughs> <laughs> no but you're right i mean having Harden opt out and re-sign at like 30 or whatever, like they could do declining money too, which might make, you know, the out years a little more tolerable or they, there's a lot of things they can do. They get under the apron. They won't, they'll, there won't be a room team, but they can get out between cutting green and Harden at a lower number. They get out from the apron. They have their full mid level. They, they do give themselves more flexibility. Yeah. Then they got some other small things they could do. They could trade Thibel or Corknaz or Niang as well to open up a little more space if, if they needed to, but it's, it's definitely, 
definitely going to be a, a crazy summer. I mean, you you hoped that what was going to happen is Embiid and Harden were going to be this unbelievable offensive duo, which they were at times, and that just the defense would fail them in the end between Harden and Embiid being a big center and Maxi, who's also a turnstile, by the way, at this point in time, he's just too small, and Harris, who tried really hard he, i thought he played well by his standards overall it's just, he had a good not, playoffs yeah. yeah just he's not he's a just 30, not what they need he's not a 37 million dollar guy but like I, I thought like for he was better than most other people's fourth best player in the playoffs i thought yeah and it's too bad that you can't just add up the skill levels of your four best players and get a team they actually have to fit together you have to fill out all the bars on shooting and defense and passing and rebounding and rim protection and all this stuff at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. But anything else you want to just kind of take away overall from this now completed second round? Any big observations that you had? Well, I mean, the thing I wrote about for The Athletic today was just that this this trend in the league that I think Dallas especially really accelerated. Boston did some of it, too, to beat Milwaukee, where you play five guys in the perimeter and just attack matchups, and you have so much more spacing, and you stress the defense so much more, and it's it's turning traditional fives into dinosaurs in the postseason. So why, why do you think this is the next evolution beyond where, like, Golden State and Cleveland were? I think, so, like, the depth lineup with Golden State was the defensive version of that where you can switch everything and 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 you have a lot of versatile defenders and and it makes it much harder to run pick and roll for instance against them but this is like that plus offense because you you have lineups that have that same defensive versatility or almost the same defensive versatility but at the offensive end they're all spread around the perimeter which Golden State never was Golden State relied on two ridiculous awesome three-point shooters but it wasn't distributed among five players around the perimeter where there was just no place for a traditional center to hide or if he was quote-unquote hiding then there was no rim protection on the floor and he didn't have the mobility to get to the rim and back out to the corner it just plays so much stress on the defense we, we saw it with with what Dallas did to Utah in the first round even without Luka uh, we saw it with what Milwaukee was left with yesterday where they basically dared Grant Williams to beat them because that was their one way to keep Brooke Lopez on the floor and we saw it in what what Dallas did to Phoenix through lots of stretches where, you know, they they, they didn't always, uh, they, they had Aiton in some weird matchups. They were able to attack JaVale McGee and make him kind of a non-factor as the series went on. Uh, they left Phoenix kind of depending on Biombo because he was their best defender in switches probably, but... Okay, now you're playing four on five because there's a guy with like no hands, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and Biombo got got lit up in the seventh game as well. So I, I, it's you can just see where this is is going, and everyone's watching this and taking notes. You know, it's a, Ty Lue kind of put the playbook out there last year against Utah. And I think people are realizing that that's not just a Utah thing; that you can use this against a lot of other teams. Right, and to me, the biggest thing about it is. It can enable a team that is maybe in theory less talented 
overall to just due to the way that they play and just the way those pieces fit together as you mentioned being able to switch on one end capably across five positions and then also being able to spread the floor and having enough offense attacking off the dribble to beat a team that has superior overall talent like i think the suns have superior talent to the Mavs, other than luca of course and the jazz maybe even had superior they definitely had superior talent to the mavs when luca was out and they still got smoked right and same thing with those clippers teams uh, without Kawhi didn't necessarily have superior talent again if you're just like you know oh who's a better player uh uh, is it reggie Bullock or is it deandre ayton as our fourth best guy well yeah you'd save deandre ayton obviously but reggie Bullock fits into this system where it's just really hard to deal then it's just it narrows the options as you alluded to so much for these coaches where in the Milwaukee Bucks all right we can't play Grayson Allen we can't play George Hill not that we're gonna take him off the floor but we shouldn't be playing them and Brooke Lopez I I still felt that they could have gotten a little bit more out of him defensively than they did but still they felt like they had to just have him stand under the basket and let Grant Williams shoot I would actually rather let Al Horford shoot than Grant Williams personally but that was an interesting uh, adjustment because they got burned by Al Horford in game four that's I think that's why they went the other way on this right but Grant Williams is actually I think a better shooter than Al Horford is and al can do some mid-range stuff and and maybe a little more at the ball but i I, that surprised me that they decided to let grant williams 40 percent three-point shooter be the one Derek white okay yeah that that actually worked fine he he has really been struggling so and the bucks had you know two i would say two of the three best players in the series and with chris middleton they probably would have had i don't know three of the five best but they Mm -hmm. just couldn't couldn't make it work because of the way that the celtics played on both ends just fix it so you can't just play these crap role players anymore Maybe that's a, another part of the lesson too. Is you used to have these teams. Where it was all right. We got you know the Kobe and Shaq Lakers had a bunch of guys next to them who were kind of just okay. Had a lot of weaknesses. I don't think you could get away with that anymore. Though you would just have too many of these guys who just couldn't exist out there. Whether it's because they couldn't shoot or they can't dribble or they can't switch defensively they can't stay in front of someone in a five out system it's just so much more of a crucible than it's ever been totally we, we are evolving it's still a superstar driven league but it's more of a weakest link league than it used to be yeah you just can't be starting matt maloney as the 97 houston rockets <laughs> anymore you, wow. you can't have the that level of guys out there what do you think happens in this next round so I think Boston, Miami will be exceptionally ugly. Uh, both teams are so good defensively, and they're both. But they both have stretches where they shoot the ball well from the perimeter. But it's not. It's not this torrid, blazing thing either. Like it's. It kind of comes and goes for them a little bit. I. I think it's going to be Boston in six. I think we're going to get some. We could get some winning scores in the eighties in this series. Wow, that would be pretty you, incredible. You don't think it would go that defensive? I mean, that would be tough. That would be like below would, a ninety offensive rating. Well, it would. I that guess it would have to. It would have. It would have to be ugly and slow, probably. Right. So yeah, if La- it would be more likely if Lowry didn't play much because he jacks up Miami's pace so much when he plays. Mm-hmm. Usually, I haven't thought that much about this series yet. I'm going to do our preview with Danny. I think my pick is going to be actually Boston and seven, okay. which is weird. I know for the road team, but I I just feel like it's going to be that close. I it's more of a symbolic pick of just this series is 
I think it's gonna be closer than people think I think the Heat are just like their defense is just so good I think Boston's gonna have more trouble scoring in this round than they did in the last round you know who's a low-key uh player of interest in this series is Victor Oladipo because Miami basically brought him out of the freezer right at the end of the regular season brought him in in the Atlanta series basically gave him all of Duncan Robinson's minutes and he's even really cut into Tyler Heroes and now I think he's going to be a major part of their plan to stop Tatum and Brown where because because they know Boston's going to tr- probably try to attack Hero. They know if Robinson gets on the court, they're definitely attacking him, right? And so I think there's going to be a lot of Oladipo minutes, and they're going to ask him to play an important defensive role. And the question is, what is he going to be on offense? Is he going to make perimeter shots? Is he going to force a bunch of early clock twos? Uh, or is he going to be more of a positive factor at that end? Yeah, I do like his speed. That's something that the Bucks really were missing, is just someone who can get on top of the rim quickly. And Um, I think particularly we'll probably see Miami go pretty quickly to P.J. Tucker as the backup center because they're just not going to be able to score with Deadman on the floor. It doesn't give them enough on defense. Yeah, I I think that will be that will be their adjust one of their adjustments. Like they'll play Deadman until they lose. But like after the after the first time they lose, we'll never see Deadman again. So is Tucker is Tucker going to guard Tatum? I guess they'll be doing a lot of switching, so maybe it's not going to matter. And that's probably yeah. that. If assuming we're assuming it's Butler, Lowry, Adebayo, Struess, and Tucker, right? That's probably how they start. I think Tucker does start on Tucker starts on Tatum. And what do you think? Oh my God, Lowry versus Smart. How about that? How about the grifting that's going to go on in that matchup? Let's just hope they're both healthy. Yeah, because Smart has the foot thing now too. Yeah, and those two guys matched up in 2020. These two teams, amazing to think that they matched up in the conference finals two years ago. Completely different teams in the bubble less than two years ago. Yeah. A year and a half ago in real time. <laughs> that's that's just crazy. That seems like a lifetime ago. You think Butler guards Brown and Struess guards Grant Williams or the other way around? The thing about Jimmy Butler yeah. on Grant Williams is he can be such a pain to the rest of Boston's offense in, in that role. I think we're going to see more Robert Williams again this series now because they don't have to worry about uh, Giannis just going right through him and hopefully he'll be healthy again. Yeah, I don't I don't know what they're going to do in terms of the, the guarding. And I mean, I think they'd love to put Tucker on Tatum, but that might just leave everyone else in too difficult of matchups. And uh, to me, I think the biggest question of the whole series, though, is is Butler going to be able to have a good series or not? Like, if he does it against this team, I will forever be done questioning whether Jimmy Butler can score against good teams. Like, he's had pretty easy matchups so far this year. Yes. The bubble was weird. So I, I'm just fascinated to see. And they have so many guys to throw at him and, and who that's going to be. And is he going to be able to beat switches in this series? I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen there. And then and Adebayo, too, what's going to happen with him? The, Al Horford wasn't on this team in 2020. They've got Robert Williams now playing more. They've got Grant, who is much better than he used to be. So I don't think he's going to be able to just truck these guys in the interior like he did back in 2020, like that game six when he just put them out of their misery uh, at the end. No, I mean, they were so, yeah, st- I, they were starting Daniel Tice in that series, who is going to be probably watching most of this series. Yeah. I mean, I remember going crazy that Boston didn't go with Grant Williams at center back then and switch 
and now they can go with Horford with his versatility and Grant Williams and you got all these other guys so I mean this this defensive team is just a monster like because I think the Celtics are even better defensively than Miami because at least they don't have your hero or even Gabe Vincent like someone who's smaller that you can attack there's Peyton Pritchard plays six minutes a game and that's it yeah and yeah it's funny because Derek White goes out there and looks so small and then you realize no it's just that the rest of this team is is freaking huge and even the guys who aren't tall or like Mack trucks like Williams and White's an amazing rim protector too but oh he is he's like, one of the best rim protecting guards in the whole league without a doubt yeah yeah so I think it's going to be Boston and seven I think their talent maybe is a little bit better than that but I just trust Miami to find a way to just make it difficult like that is it's just a ode to what the Miami Heat are and how hard they play and just how miserable they can make this series and I think they're going to have a lot of trouble scoring against Boston but I think Boston's going to have trouble scoring against them too and that's why i think it's gonna it, it could go seven but i i would it, i would say boston in six before i'd pick miami winning the series though okay that's fair how about in the west i'm a little more torn on this one um it's a very different matchup for dallas than than these last few opponents like they're, you're not going to play Draymond Green off the floor right you're not going to you're not going to do some of this stuff that they've been able to do against other teams to to Golden State's personnel because they're just they're just not going to I mean maybe maybe you can get Kevin Looney out of the Kevon Looney out of the series right but uh to the biggest thing the biggest advantage they probably have the way they play is that they might be able to render Jordan Poole unplayable for any portion of the game that Luka is on the floor. But on on the other hand, I I see a lot of advantages to Golden State too. Like I think defending this team is much different from the way Dallas could just yeah. load up against against these last two opponents with all the off-ball screening and stuff. It's going to demand a lot from their guards. It's going to demand a lot from Luka in some instances if they if they end up with him running around uh the, the way Golden State makes you makes you chase your tail so much. So it's going to be a very very different series for both these teams. I was surprised when I went when I went through the regular season. I mean, Golden State did actually, or excuse me, Dallas did actually beat them three times. Uh, the one Golden State win, they just buried them though. I would lean. I'll give a healthy respect for home court advantage and say Golden State in seven. But I don't. I don't feel like I have a great feel for what's going to happen. Like I am much more confident in what I said about Boston Miami than what I'm saying about Golden State Dallas. Yeah, I think that's fair. I picked Dallas in six. If Golden State had Peyton and Iguodala and if Porter were going to be healthy, I would kind of view it more as a toss-up. But I just don't think they have enough to guard Luka and to guard the five out and that they're just... Steph is going to struggle to guard Luka too. I mean, he's improved I, a ton. That, but that is that is one I wondered about. Are they going to go after Steph and make him make him defend Luka backing down and try to put fouls on him, or is is Draymond going to be able to bail him out with his help defense somehow? The, uh, the have you heard anything about Otto? I I don't feel like I've seen any updates. Uh, he's questionable. He didn't do any activity at practice yesterday other than just being on the bike, and this is a chronic foot injury injury for him too wow but but he, he can't guard anybody in space anyway honestly like he can do some help defense stuff and hopefully hit some threes and pass but he can't stay in front of any of these guys is this a a juan toscano anderson series i was saying they should have brought broke him out last series 
but they seem to just have completely soured on his offense i guess and i mean kaminga is gonna have to play and play well and i do think kaminga can get going a little bit on the offensive end they may just have to deal with some of his issues defensively and fouling and and stuff and maybe inconsistent effort but he can also get out in transition and go up and finish at the rim like this is i don't expect the warriors offense to struggle as much as they did in that memphis series particularly when jaw went out because dallas good positional team they can force some turnovers but they're not the type of ball hawks that memphis is they don't have someone as good as dylan brooks to just lock on to steph curry either and they don't and, have a jaron on the back line is the other thing right yeah that's the other thing too like the dallas they actually do a pretty good job of protecting the rim somehow but there's also really only one guy there who's like draymond for example trying to drive in or clay or stuff or pool if Kleba's not there and they can get him out in the perimeter with some of the screening action then they should be able to drive to the basket and the floor is just going to look so much more open i think than it did against phoenix but this dallas defense is so good john like it really really so me i i have more faith in dallas's defense to stop golden state than the reverse and if they had gp and they had the way iguodala was playing early in the season they had that then i think it would be just a clash of the titans but i like dallas just seems a little bit more locked in fewer weak spots to attack than golden state and so i think golden state's gonna just have to outscore them which maybe they can uh but we said that about utah and phoenix and they couldn't can golden state exhaust dallas and in particular luca because that seemed like when we talked a week ago that seemed like what was happening that phoenix was doing that to luca especially and like in game two it, that strategy clearly worked and you just thought okay yeah. here's their blueprint for the rest of the series and it just didn't happen the team led by a 34-year-old and two 32-year-olds, all of whom have been significantly injured recently, are going to exhaust them? I I don't know. I don't know about it, that. It has to be death by a thousand cuts. I mean, they... By yeah. going, they, they would be playing fewer minutes than Luca does because they have more distributed responsibility. They have other places to go with the ball. Uh, I, I, I do think sometimes it's so easy for Luca in first halves that he burns his own candle out a little bit. So that that that's one. That's a thing I would say to watch for. I think it's probably unlikely to happen, but certainly with an every other day format, if I'm Golden State, I'm thinking about ways to just get as many hits on Luca and just physically just try to wear him down as much as I can because that is unquestionably the head of the snake right yeah I think they can take advantage of him more than Phoenix did although it's not really their style to go after one guy as much unless it's right at the end of the game but I think they can get him out in space and blow by him in a way that Phoenix he's mostly defending inside the arc against Phoenix and he got hurt but it was for mid-range jumpers in those first couple of games and here it's either threes or blow buys for layups or setting up wide open threes afterwards so I do think Golden State's gonna be able to score I I guess my other question is just like is Steph Curry can he be anywhere close to Luka in this series is he because he he's not he's not this year since maybe december he just isn't that level of player it's funny because i was thinking about that this morning like my my goodness like you, you see the names and you're like yeah curry luca and then you really start thinking about the series and and you're like man D- dallas has the best player in this series and it's it, and pretty clearly has the best player this is kind of an astonishing thing to admit to myself almost that that curry wasn't really on that level anymore I mean, the guy is 34, 
I mean, for him to be this good even at that age is impressive. But yeah, he's he just the and it's kind of weird the way it's happened too. His drive game is actually hasn't been bad in these playoffs at all. That's the biggest part I was worried would age poorly for him. He's just he's not making forty percent of his three pointers anymore. Yeah, he also did a nice job on Desmond Bain in the last series. Sure. So he'll be tested again with, I'm sure Brunson will try to back him down like he did against Chris Paul. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see whether Dinwiddie and Brunson are able to go at Steph Curry. I'm sure Golden State will try to see what happens there. I'm not sure. It's just, it's so hard because with the five out, like Jalen Brunson, he's so shifty, but there's never any help on him. You're yeah. like, It's just so hard to defend. When the guy can make six moves, you're going to fall for one out of the six moves. If he could just dribble around in the lane and up face and smitty and fake a fadeaway and step under you're just you're gonna get beat eventually especially if you're the same size as him uh you'd you'd know better than i did golden state play a lot of zone this year they'll probably go to their one two two i would imagine they did that some against memphis i would recommend trying that when luca's off the floor i would agree in with particular that. yeah um so yeah I, what was your what's your pick gonna be in that one i i had dallas and six i was I, very I, surprised to see that I, uh golden state is favored i said golden state in seven yeah with like fairly low levels of confidence in my opinion yeah I, I do think maybe golden state is not as bad as they look towards the end of the last round that sometimes these series just have a way of spiraling out of control and getting you out of your identity and you're just you get a fresh start and you can be back to yourself a little more i agree i mean i've seen that happen enough times now because like game like golden state got killed in game five and then game six was just a little bit of a shit game honestly if we're you know for being real and and we they, are <laughs> they ended i mean they ended up winning which was great but it it was not you know send the video to springfield stuff but like you said i mean it's a new opponent you're just playing differently now and so I, I, it does shake things up would you rely out for the athletic this week so, like I said, I wrote about the uh, the Spaceball kind of mini-revolution that is still evolving that has really impacted these playoffs and is going to continue to impact teams and centers uh, in coming seasons, I think. Uh, and then I'm going to be writing this week my top 20 players for the draft are going to come out Wednesday morning once uh, and we got the lottery uh, Tuesday night, obviously. Who are you rooting to win the lottery? So the most hilarious thing would be the Lakers winning it, right? Well, so it becomes the Pels. Yeah, yeah. The Pel- the Pels have had enough lottery. They don't. They don't. Say. They don't deserve to win the lottery. Is the problem, right? Yeah. That's- I, I I root for the teams that deserve to win the lottery. I would say. Okay. Um. That that's my opinion, at least. Okay. Okay. Uh, it would be fun if Indiana's one foray to tanking in like thirty years ended up with a winning the lottery. Yeah, that's actually. You make a great point there, right? That they've tried to compete for so long that maybe the lottery gods should smile on them. Do do you have a rooting interest in the lottery? Hmm. Normally I root for the better organizations, but I don't want Cade Cunningham to get stuck in purgatory. I think he can be unbelievable and I would love to see him have a real running mate there. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be nice. That'd be, I mean, that'd be a nice team if they won the lottery. Yeah, you would think. Yeah, to either get a scorer on the wing or Holmgren who could be really interesting, I think, with him as well that because of his skill set they have so many ways they can go in their team building and obviously the lottery and who's available to them is going to affect that you can go traditional point guard you could go for more of a switching five out type of group you could go with a traditional pick and roll center as well so there's a lot of baskets you could put your eggs into because Cade can handle the ball he could be the point guard he could be the secondary guy he can shoot off the ball he's pretty good defensively he could probably switch 
So having that type of a guy as your star makes it a lot easier to build your team just with whatever becomes available. Yeah. And it's why those six, seven size lead ball handlers, I mean, they're, they're just solid gold. All right. And we can get going here. I want to remind you as well, got a great response here on playback for Danny and my live calls of the games over the weekend we did both game sevens basically the technology is advanced to the point now where you can either sign in with your cable or streaming provider if you've got international league pass you can sign in at getplayback.com slash room slash nate duncan nba i'll put that link in the show notes and you basically just get the game on a, your desktop with our commentary no syncing up none of that it's just all in the same window like you're watching the game normally so a lot of fun to do that and we'll be doing pretty much every conference finals game other than the Warriors home games and maybe a couple over next weekend and uh, definitely the NBA finals as well. So hope to see you in there. The chat is always bumping as well. That's a, another fun aspect of that. And John and I, I imagine we'll be back sometime next week whenever it seems most convenient. We did Monday this week. We've got that flexibility now. So we'll let you know when we'll be back. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 